Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Brighton Rock Podcast. With me, Russell Guyver, with him, Peter Marsh. Hey, Russ. And with another him, Robin Woolley returning. Hello, Robin. Hello. Good to see you. Excellent. We are recording on Friday. We're going to do a special preview of the final game of the season against West Ham, which is on Sunday. That's coming up a bit later. And a load of other football news and items to talk about besides. And Robin's only with us for a fairly short while. So we're going to get into the juicy stuff that he wanted to talk about as well, um, starting with that. So, um, well, let's get, let's get straight into it. So we've had the playoffs and we've had a lot of pitch invasions at the moment and it's become a very topical issue. Um, essentially on two nights ago on Wednesday, I think it was, was it Wednesday? There was, uh, or Tuesday, Tuesday, the forest game. Um, game. Yeah. There's a pitch invasion culminating in tons of fans being on the pitch. A, A visual spectacle. Wonderful. All look great. Except for the fact that one knuckle headed 30 year old decided to do a flying headbutt on, uh, Billy Sharp, who was standing um, innocently by without any knowledge of what was about to happen to him. Um, essentially it's a, it's a major assault. The guy's gone to jail actually already for six months as a result. With justice. With justice indeed. Perhaps it should have been a longer sentence in my opinion. I know. Yeah, I agree. agree. Um, uh, but there's been some further incidents. Apparently the Swindon Port Vale game, Port Vale won on penalties. Swindon lost on penalties again, snigger. Um, <laughs> but anyway, Port Vale won. There was a pitch invasion and apparently Fans and players were um, hassled, possibly assaulted. I'm not sure of the details on that one. And there's also been an incident in the Everton Palace game where, delightedly, Palace threw away a 2-0 lead to see Everton come back, win 3-2, leaving it as Leeds or Burnley for the relegation spot. More on that later. But the fact that Everton came back to win that game and survive led to a pitch invasion. And Palace manager, Patrick Vieira, was hassled, leading to an altercation on the pitch. So loads of incidents have occurred. What do you make of it all, Robin? <laughs> Where do we start with all this? I was trying to get my head around why it's become more of a thing. I was saying pitch invasions have always been there. You know, we've had we've had plenty ourselves in in a relatively short period of time. But it seems to be that they've become more about goading 
than celebrating. That seems to be the difference. And I know I've seen certain people kind of put forward an argument that it's it's kind of pent up frustrations coming out from the time of you know COVID and people couldn't go to games, etc. But in all honesty, we've been back to normal in inverted commas for nearly a year in football terms. So I'm not necessarily sure it is that, but it's I don't know that it seems to be very odd that it's it has made that switch now to being you're running on the pitch to goad the opposition rather than celebrate with your own supporters or, yeah. or players. It just seems it seems very odd, and it's I think the problem I think where we where we're headed is that pitch invasions very quickly are going to become a thing of the past because they'll it will be legislated to the point where it'll either be clubs will be playing playing with empty stadiums as a punishment or no. you'll find that they'll start to be deducted points because no. the one the natural solution to it which is obviously something that we're not going to go back to for very obvious reasons is fences and grounds yeah. so we can't go back to fences and grounds for a whole host of which we well, don't really good reason, know. Yeah. It's yeah. pretty obvious. So if we can't go back to fences and grounds, then they have to look to stop it in other ways. And what does that leave you? That leaves you either to punish the rest of the fan base by making it whatever, a couple of games behind closed doors, or you have to punish the club by, I mean, fines won't do it. They might at a lower level, but we generally, we know that fines generally don't make any difference to behaviour. A points deduction, whilst probably seeming quite draconian, might be the thing which changes attitudes. I mean, it'd certainly be interesting in the Everton incident, wouldn't it? Because they could end up getting relegated anyway. There'd still be some idiots to do it though, wouldn't there? Let's be honest. Yeah. Problems. But what do you do? I mean, if you take the playoff scenario, would there have been a pitch invade? Would they have done that if they knew that potentially their club wouldn't be able to sell any tickets for the playoff final? Hmm. But then you're left with the idea that if both teams do it, then you've got empty Wembley for the playoff final. <laughs> then maybe that's it. Maybe that's yeah. what you need. Well, we've had it before, haven't we? <laughs> During the lockdown. Yeah. yeah. But I, I, mean, I, I agree I, with you, Peter. There'll always be idiots. I think the problem is there'll always be idiots that will do it in, you know, there'll always be the idiot like the Jack Grealish one. You know, from a couple of years ago, mm. it's very difficult to legislate the odd idiot. But I think what we're seeing now is you're seeing more. You're seeing people behave like idiots in larger numbers, which is yeah. more, and that's more troubling. Which does mean you've got to go start punishing clubs because you can't. If there's like a lot of people behaving like idiots, it's hard to punish them all individually. So you then yeah. got to start attacking, you know, play the clubs. But it is quite hard when you you know your fans start invading the pitch. And I agree with you. In the principle, you know, the idea that I think there's always been pitch invasions and they've always been generally just to kind of show of emotion and celebration. But I mean, things like that Middlesbrough game we went to where their, their fans only aim quite a lot of them to so just come over and taunt us. There was no. Oh, yeah. I mean, no David, Stockdale in... got, David Stockdale got punched. Yeah. Oh, did he? I didn't even know about that. Yeah, yeah he got assaulted by a Middlesbrough fan. So, yeah, there was, so there's an earlier example of that. And actually, Luton, when they got um, beaten by York in a playoff, lower league playoff, um, I think it was a League Two thing at the time, or maybe even actually a conference one. Um, and um, the, the fans came on the pitch, the Luton fans, because end of the season, they came on the pitch 
and they actually sort of effectively charged the York fans into the away end, and they had to leave for an exit at the back of the stands. Ridiculous. So there have been examples of it, and yet, no, you know, our examples been fine. We, we were att- had our last attack time. for that Middlesbrough game, and the, the fans were almost on the pitch already. So I wonder what they would have happened early. if our the last attack had gone in. Yeah, the referee hadn't blown his whistle. Yeah. I wonder what happens then. If that what happens at that point if we score, you know, I mean, obviously that would have been pretty epic. But also, those fans would not have gone back and just walked back to their seats. Yeah, and then yeah, it's it's it becomes a dangerous situation, doesn't it? And I think the somebody... problem is is that obviously we know that actually encroaching on the pitch itself is technically a, is technically an offence. Hmm. And what yeah. they've been doing is because the because the vast number of pitch invasions and the vast number of people doing it have been largely good-natured, they've turned a bit of a blind eye to the fact that, you know, authorities have generally turned a bit of a blind eye to the fact that actually any pitch invasion is actually break, is actually breaking the law, mm. effectively. Mm. Um, but they might have to... I mean, it, it's what are you supposed to do when lots and when thousands of people do it? Mm. Like Pete says, you can't... What, you, can't, you can't legislate against those individuals at that point. Yeah. So what are you supposed to do? Then you have to start... Then you start have to make you have to make the punishments slightly more draconian. Yeah. Is the only, the only way that it happens. The only other thing you can do is is massively increase policing costs if there's even enough resources to do so, and stewarding costs to have mm. a complete perimeter covered so that it deters anyone from anywhere. I know people can still get on, but to, to severely restrict and deter that from happening. No, so I, I think, think when people that, know they can get on. It's not. It's different, isn't it? Yeah, it's different. But they're saying I think Andy Holt, who's I think he's the Accrington owner, isn't he? Hmm. He tweets quite a lot. He's tweeted quite a lot about it today. Yeah, he's, he's not sure of an opinion. <laughs> I think he was talking about the kind of the policing stewarding element. Of course, you think well for lower league clubs, they can't afford to double or triple their policing and stewarding capabilities. Yeah, exactly. It's just, just going to become unman- unmanageable, isn't it? Essentially, mm-hmm. um, I said there have been incidents, but there's, there's been plenty of good-natured invasions. I think. Most of the time, traditionally, it would be people would come on the pitch. Some people would gravitate towards the other fans sometimes, and there would be a gentle bit of goading or something and nothing more than that. And they would quickly get guided away by the stewards and a cordon would be kind of, you know, perimeter around some of the pitch. So there wouldn't really be anything happening. But with something like that, it's, it's very difficult, isn't it? Um, you've, you've got the worry of it's, it's workspace. It's those players those managers, those referees and referees' assistants' workspaces that are being invaded, and they should be able to feel safe being in there. Now, with a pitch invasion that's good-natured, you can still feel worried as that's happening, whether it's going to lead to anything. And I've always worried that, that something could happen again, and it is really depressingly predictable that it's, it's come to pass. It does seem to be one of, the per- one of the reasons, I think, is to do with the Colombian marching powder. I think so many people are, um, are taking cocaine, um, because it's easier and cheaper to get hold of, it appears. Lots, particularly younger lads, are doing it. And um, I think that probably has an effect on some of the behaviour that's going on, both in this regard and in general fan behaviour regard. Um, people are becoming more, I wouldn't say lawless, but they're becoming far more audacious with what they're willing and, able, and willing and able to do. And I think that is certainly a part of it as well. Yeah, I mean, you can't, it's hard to find anything else to kind of, any logic to the, what the guy did to Billy Sharp? I mean, literally, it was on yeah. camera. He could. Mm. They were saying that they were giving him credit for the fact he pleaded guilty. It's like, well, it's he's on camera headbutting him. <laughs> I don't think yeah. he had any. Show. There wasn't much point in not pleading. That's guilty. That's just to get a shorter yeah. sentence. That's all he's yeah. done that yeah. for. But actually, <laughs> I mean, well, he could have no killed him. 
Yeah. Yeah, exactly. A flying headbutt, which was completely unexpected, unprovoked. Yeah. Um, Sharp was just standing there, just observing the, you know, the, um, the spectacle, as far as I could tell. I mean, yeah, I personally wouldn't have still been standing there, but that's another matter. Very lucky, really. He's, he's, he's escaped two, you know, really dangerous experiences. You know, he had a near-death experience where Lewis Dunk tackled him in 2011. <laughs> I knew that was coming again. You can't and now leave he's, it. And now we've had another one, you know, it's like... Yeah, I mean, this one was certainly more serious than the, 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 the one at the time was described as being so serious, wasn't it, Peter? But, uh, but, but the no, irony I mean, was he was a former Forest player as well, so quite there's no reason yeah. to target him particularly. There's no... Yeah, He's had good things to say about the club, by yeah. all accounts. There's not been any animosity of any sort since he left either. But, yeah, but I think, like I said, like I posted on the group, the, the worrying thing was that I had a little look on the on the forest forum after the game because I just wanted to see what the, you know, what the, what the general. I know forums in, in and of themselves aren't massively representative, but they're, 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 they at least give you they give you a certain cross section of opinion of a fan base. So I just wanted to go and have a look. And there, I think I posted that screenshot. There were more than there was more than one Forest fan who posted that it would have been all right if it had been on the Sheffield United manager because of his behaviour during the game. Yeah, but that's just out of completely unacceptable comment, isn't it? Really, um, what and did Heckenbottom do? I mean, this, he slammed exactly, the ball into someone's a... midriff. And that's not really the equivalent of getting headbutted, is it? Really? So I'm not. I, I'm not by any means suggesting. I'm not tarring the entire fan base with the same brush mm. but it's more just to suggest that there are it's not just a lone idiot mm. I know that there's a difference between someone posting that on the internet and, and actually doing it but it does show at least that there are it's slightly more widespread that people would even consider that to be an all right thing to do regardless of who it was yeah it's I, I think it's disgusting but it, it... You know, it, it, it does seem to be symptomatic of what's going on at the moment. There's a lot more audacity with racism, with homophobia, with all the other stuff that's mm-hmm. come up. This is another, it's kind of a more physical um, issue, obviously, but it's um, it, it's something that's come up as well and but has risen more and more. throwing stuff at players as well seems to be. Throwing a, things, yeah, on the pitch has become as well. a huge problem. In France, I think um, Dimitri Payet got mm-hmm. assaulted, well, he got hit by a missile two weeks in a They've row. loads this season, haven't they? Yeah, Marseille yeah. Um, and- and there's like it's also i mean we're we are um we're guilty in this regard as well but the, the amount of flares and smoke bombs this season as well mm. i find oh, it amazing scale. that people are getting it into the ground because we were on the way into ellen road on saturday or sunday i should say we went through we all went through a fairly rigorous search like more than you, it was, it was obviously, it was still a pat down, but it was more than a kind of, you know, often they don't even really touch you. It's more just there. They just seem to be doing their job, but it was a fairly rigorous search. I don't know. And they, so, people get, get them through. Yeah. I mean, just look at the FA Cup final, you know, it looked like there's, yeah. um, <laughs> looked like the, the stadium was on fire of so many flares at one point. Um, it, yeah. It, I don't know how they're getting through. Well, and the Euros as well. That guy who, uh, <laughs> uh yes, <laughs> let's not talk about that flair, for goodness sake. But that, again, that was another very clear example of this kind of, well, it is slightly lawless behavior going on. Well, it's not slightly, it is lawless behavior going on, um, where people just feel completely at liberty to do things such as storm a stadium. You know, we've, we've seen what's happened in the past when that's, that's occurred. Yeah. Um, 
you know, it, it leads to fatalities. We're very lucky that that wasn't the case in this particular instance. Maybe the seats helped in that regard. I don't know. But, um, you know, when you've got people getting in stadiums when they shouldn't be there, and yes, I'm talking about you as well, Crystal Palace, with your tablets open that safety door that time. Um, those things are dangerous, along with their flares as well. Um, lots of big issues to, to really address there. And I, as you said, um, I think it's Robin, um, you know, so it's going to be very difficult to administer that. How you do it is yeah. really, really the, difficult. The problem is, is that like all these things, what it will result in is it will result in us as football fans in general being treated worse. Yeah. We're going to go back to the era where, where things are going to be policed in a more heavy handed fashion. Because yeah. you have to, unfortunately, you have to legislate. You have to police based on the lowest common denominator. Unfortunately, because you're feeling that the space is more dangerous and therefore as an officer, you're on edge, I'd imagine. Yeah, exactly. Thinking, right, what I'm looking for now is, is more, of, more of a serious matter than... And stewards as well. Again, if you're yeah. a steward, hmm. you see some, someone made this point on the radio earlier. If, you, if a steward, if you see somebody running on, in that split second, you have no idea if they're running on to hug a player or headbutt a player. Hmm. Yeah. You don't. There's no way of knowing. Yeah, you just don't yeah. know. Yeah, even if it's someone coming from the end, the same support as that as that team, yeah. you just don't know. Who knows? Yeah, yeah. So but there is a lot to deal with there. It's, I think that's going to be a problem. Slightly political. I think there's also an element, political element to it, when where if the government just feel like they can take, decide, decide which laws to you know to obey and which not to. For example, party mm. gates. Why should anyone else obey the law? I mean, in a sense, it's like why? Why would I bother to obey a law when? Well, no I one think that's true. I mean, that is that is a thing. You look at the Dominic Cummings thing, actually going back a little bit further in time as well. That's um, you know, there, there was a sense of a lot of people on social media. Yes, but I'm sure this this goes to the wider viewpoint. They're thinking, well, you know, if they do what the hell they want, why can't we? That was the general sentiment. And while people may not actually go ahead and then do what exactly what they want. Clearly, some did. Uh, again, mentioning the Euros, mentioning all these other incidents that have occurred since. Um, if you can't set an example as, a, as someone in government, whichever party it is, then that's, um, you know, you're, you're asking for trouble. Yeah. So um, who, who are they to criticise anybody when they um, can't abide by their own laws? But, I just can't yeah. get my head around the fact that you would do it. You would do it <sighs> fully knowing that you're going to get a life ban. Yeah. yeah. I mean, what, what I mean, price that's to pay gonna be for that? Gonna, like, you're like, missing you take the, the forest example... They yeah. are going to the playoff final with a chance to go back to the Premier League for the first time in, what, 15 years? I think it's 23 years. Probably actually. more. Yeah. Mm. And you're not even good. Yeah, you're banned for life. Yeah, this guy's only 30 as well, so he'd have been only about seven or something like that, whatever it was. Yeah, so he's probably when... never, he probably can't yeah. remember them in the Premier League. Yeah. So I know, I take what you're saying about a wider political point, but in this instance, it's you are... Obviously, you know, in that instance, you, you've hurt Billy Sharp. But, you know what I mean? Largely, you are really hurting yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the, you've got a 10-year ban from all football, but you've got to assume Forrest will ban him for life. Yeah, I mean. he'll give him a life ban. Yeah, you have to for that. You cannot not do that. No. They, do, they, don't, for, they, they do that for a lot less serious stuff than that. So yeah, exactly. absolutely must give him a lifetime ban. And also, it's going to have a knock-on effect for that person's job. Um, do you yeah. see... Is, his girlfriend or partner was now while it was like, oh, I'm now going to struggle to pay the rent and feed the kids, etc. And you're like, well, that's no one else's problem. Yeah, to be quite honest, it's only one person at fault for that. Yeah, it's yeah. not, and it's not, it's nobody else. You can't say, oh, you don't send them to jail because of well, that. And you think, it's irrelevant. Well, that, yeah, that shows yeah. you. That shows him as a person. 
has so little regard for his own responsibilities that he's prepared to do that. But I think that's the thing in general. All it shows is that by doing it, you are basically harming yourself and your immediate Mm -hmm. circle. And what's annoying is, of course, it's it's a bit like being at school when someone mucks about and no one owns up. Everyone's in trouble for it. It's kind of like that, isn't it? Um, This isn't an owning up scenario, but in terms of that sense of somebody does something wrong and we all have to suffer for the reasons you just said. There'll be more stringent policing. You won't be able to have friendlier pitch invasions um, such as the one we had in 2017 without any hassle at all. You you probably wouldn't be able to have that now because there's very bare facts to... As in terms of the arguments against it from the authorities, I'll say, well, no, because this could happen, that can happen, that can happen. You know, if you have so the much other going on in one week, I think, are you, gonna, are you now going to find that, for instance, players won't come out after the game and sign autographs in the car park? Yeah, yeah, exactly. You're going to have a worry because if you're a player who's coming out, you know, now you see them if you wait around, you know, you see, you'll see them going to their cars and they'll sign and stop sign autographs. Hmm. Would you do that as a player well, now? Exactly. Exactly. It'd be less. It would inclined, certainly give it? you. It would certainly give you food for thought. Food for thought, wouldn't it? Actually, mm. that some idiot can come running out of nowhere out of your line of sight. Mm. Yeah, so that, you're ca- going to make. You're just going to make the difference. You're going to make the disconnect between players and fans bigger. And it's not going to be the players' fault because, like you said, it's their place of work. Ultimately, yeah. if I was a player, based on what's happened in the in the last week. Would I want to risk coming out? And, you know, especially after a defeat. Yeah. Yeah. It's just not worth the hassle, is it? As I said, it's their workspace anyway. They've got to feel safe. And if they don't... And it's your career, be... ultimately. It's your career. If yeah. some idiot comes out and... I'm taking it to extremes. If someone's to come out and you were to break your leg or something, yeah. it's your Good entire enough. career, isn't it? Yeah. I should mention, actually, there's one other incident which um, has been reported, which is to do with Ollie McBurney, um, who's playing, obviously, for Sheffield United. So that same pitch invasion on Tuesday where the Billy Sharper incident occurred, there's also footage has emerged from a fan um, showing another fan falling to the floor. I think Robin's dropped out, actually. But if he has, thanks for joining us, Robin. If he comes back, so be it. But um, anyway, um, yeah, there's another incident. I don't know if you saw it, Peter, where McBurney, it's a bit shaky. And to be fair, I don't think the guy could have done much better with the camera work. So there's a lot of bustle going on around at the time. But it shows that he's um, he's somewhere caught up in a cluster with fans. A fan's gone over, possibly just fallen over. And then it shows McBurney sort of standing over him and it's hard to see whether he's kicking him as somebody's accusing on the video or whether he's trying to step over him in that yeah. way to avoid stamping on him um he's got a broken left foot <laughs> um which is why he wasn't involved in the game in, in one of those um, surgical boots so it seems very unlikely that he would want to go around kicking people at, the, yeah, at this particular point knows, in time there'll be cameras out as well you know and that yeah sort of thing. Like, and there'll be cameras in his face I'm, I'm inclined to to recommend tread over him and there's yeah, a lot going so. on and it's very difficult when you're being probably shoved and pushed by Forest fans and then also trying to step over someone and trying to get off the pitch with a, with a broken foot yeah that True. seems but, more likely I'd say probably yeah uh, Robin's internet dropped apparently he has been having some problems um so yeah, no, but thank you for joining us anyway, Robin, if you're, if you're gone for the day. Um, but anyway, yeah, I mean, that one is obviously that body not burning one is, is, I think there's probably not much in that and we certainly can't say there is. So we'll leave that one to one side. But ironically, the only time there wasn't a pitch invasion I can recall from this last week was Mansfield um, securing the, their playoff final birth, um, in the away leg at, uh, Northampton, wasn't it? 
Because they're away, that's probably away from home. Yeah. So there's quite a few stewards there trying to prevent a pitch invasion, and you had the feeling it wasn't going to be a pitch invasion, and yet, ironically, you had a picture of four or five stewards rushing the referee and his assistants off the pitch at rocket speed with no one anywhere around them. <laughs> it looks slightly yeah. surreal and quite it's, funny. It's a bit... I, would, I think with away fans, it's much easier to kind of block them yeah. in and stop them doing it. And, them. Small, small yeah. areas, yeah. The so funny thing with that... That's why it didn't happen. I'll have to show you a video if you didn't happen to catch it. Did you see there was an old boy came on the pitch? There was, a, there was quite a few people standing on the pitch, players, reps and, you know, staff and people. And this kid came on the pitch... Um, sort of ran behind a couple of stewards, curved to one side. Stewards clocked him and they just stood next to him and pointed and said, go off. <laughs> and he just walked off really sheepishly with his tail between his legs. It was quite funny. Very well behaved. I thought, well, if everyone was like that, that would be OK, wouldn't it? <laughs> but it was a good little comedy moment. Um, so anyway, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a big issue, isn't it, Peter? We, we won't dwell on it any longer. But other than to say um, we hope there's no further incidents. And we yeah. hope we are able to still have peaceful pitch invasions um personally i enjoy them as a spectacle but you know not not at the price of people getting injured yeah exactly i'm not sure it's going to be uh, yeah i imagine because yeah. justifiably after all that's happened this week it's just yeah. not realistic going to be allowed yeah i mean uh, the finals all the, all the competitions that are going on with finals at wembley that's obviously that's that's easier because the way it's set up you can't yeah. get on the pitch without a lot of effort um so you'll be spotted well in advance um i think there was one pitch invasion wasn't there if I recall, a few years ago. Was mm. it an international? Possibly, yeah. I can't remember what it was now, but I think that's the only time I've seen fans managing to get on the pitch. But um, anyway, that's that's that. In terms of the playoffs themselves, should we talk about that next then? Um, yeah. So we've got lots going on. There's there's league and non-league stuff. Um, in terms of what's settled, we've got tomorrow, as we speak, Saturday, we've got the League One playoff final because that week, that, that division finished a week early. So we have the might of Sunderland, who by all accounts... Robin, who lives up in the area, quite near there, has said they all just think they just need to turn up to win it, from what he's saying, versus the Minnows of Wickham, who are kind of a funny sort of team in in the sense that they were arguably lucky to get promoted through the points per game conclusion to that season. There was was some dispute about whether they really entitled to it or not, but they they got into the playoffs and they ended up winning with good old Ekan Fenwa um, featuring there, age 38 at the time who will be featuring again this year, age four. Last ever game. Yeah, last ever game. What a way to go out. Well done to him. Um, but anyway, um, Wickham got up, should we say, a little bit surreptitiously. Then they got relegated because Derby didn't get their points deduction last season. They got it this season, which was a matter of some dispute. And Wickham were the, uh, well, the, the unfortunate beneficiaries of yeah. that. And yet they've managed, really on the last game of the season, to squeeze into the playoffs. They've now won their semi-final against MK Dons, which I'm not complaining about because I'm not a fan of MK Dons. Um, Although MK Dons, in terms of football, certainly deserved it. Um, And now they're they're playing playing, um, Sunderland. Um, What's your thoughts on that campaign as a whole, the playoffs in particular, and what's your thoughts on the final there? Can they do it? And are you going to be rooting for them? I, I will be rooting for them mainly because it's quite funny when seeing teams like Sunderland on Wednesday in the in the third tier um, of all the teams in that playoff onto them to win. Definitely didn't want MK to win it. Um, I think probably Sunderland will win, but yeah, yeah it's a final. It's a one-off game. There's a lot more pressure on the Sunderland players than there is on the Wickham players. Yeah, they've been waiting. What they've been down for two, three, three seasons now, something like that. Uh, um, might be more than that actually. Might be more actually, yeah. 
it might be another season. And of course, you had the documentaries that were on about it. Um, was it on Netflix? I think some yeah. until I die. And they've been a quite frankly a shambles. When you look at what's been achievable by Wickham on a really small budget yeah. and other clubs as well, Rotherham, um, who've, who've done the yo-yo effect to, to keep that going, Barnsley as well. Um, then Sunderland with their resource. I mean, at one point, I think they had just under a third of the entire revenue of the division was going to Sunderland, and yet they still didn't finish. I think they finished outside the playoffs. That they got like season. forty-two thousand or forty-three thousand for the playoff semi-final at home. Yeah, the yeah. record I mean, ever huge... playoff semi-final crowd for any division. I think it was. Yeah, it's, it's a huge club, and they get behind the team. To be fair, I think they get behind the team more than Newcastle do in more adverse. That's not what you mean. Newcastle are the, uh, the best fans <laughs> in the world. One of, yes, one of the it, many clubs who have that, that accolade, according to their own fans. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Newcastle, who had like was it 8,000 or something like that when it regularly in like, like the 80s and 90s before Kevin Keegan came in. But they're the best fans yeah. in the world. No, so that's Leeds. That. That's Leeds, too. We had more fans than they did, even though they had a bigger stadium all the way through the championship years and League One years. But anyway, we, we diverse, uh, digress. Um, it's always um, worth digressing to mention Leeds and Newcastle. Yes, and we might do it again in a minute. Um, but yeah, Sunderland, Wickham, I mean, I'm, I'm certainly going to be rooting for the underdogs because I always do. I think Gareth Ainsworth's a very likable guy. There's a car alarm going off in the background, so I'm going to... Oh, no, it's gone now. It's going to very tuneful car alarm. Us. It's not just like any old, like, whirring <laughs> kind of awful sound. It's like, it sounds like a music. Yeah, definitely. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, they're the underdogs. Ainsworth's a likable guy. There's a whole and Fenwa story. Um, I think it would be hilarious if you got a last minute winner to uh, send them up oh, in his last game. Imagine it. I mean, he's quite an ego guy, isn't he? I think he's a likable ego guy. And also, Stockdale is there. Yeah, playing for Wickham, and who did very well in the semi-finals and in quite a few of the other games this season. Um, notably, he's um, he's still doing pretty well. So, yeah, good luck to them, to be honest. I hope they win it. Um, that, obviously, is going the final is this Saturday. The rest of the finals take place the following week. Um, we've got the League Two final, I think, in the in the daytime on Saturday, ahead of the Champions League final on Saturday night, the 28th. And then we've got the Championship one on the 29th. I think I've got that the right way around. Um so let's talk about League Two then. So we, we've just had the two games on the previous two nights. Mansfield, as we mentioned, they won 1-0 away at Northampton to follow up on a 2-1 home win. So they, they're one of the only teams to win both legs, I think. Um, they go into the final and we, uh, we now know that they're going to be playing Port Vale, who beat Swindon on penalties. Both teams winning, was it 2-1? No, 2-1 was Swindon. I think it was 1-0, wasn't it? 1-0 last night, yeah. yeah. James yeah. Wilson getting Port Vale's goal. And Indeed, yes. Penalty. Another familiar, well, a former teammate of Stockdale, yeah. of course. Um, and I think. Andy Crosby, uh, being one of the ones who uh, was in charge after Daryl Clark got sent off for Port Bale as well. Yeah, so a few Albion connections. I'm not, yeah, no, he didn't play with Stockdale, did he, um, Wilson? He, he was in he did, Championship. Yeah. Yeah. In the, oh, no, yeah, he would have done, yeah, because it's no. 20. It was the year before we went 16, up. 16, so, wasn't it? it was yeah. The year before we went up. Yeah, that's true. Stockdale yeah. was there. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so we've got Mansfield against um, Paul Fale. I haven't really got any feelings on that one in terms of... No, I although a little bit inclined to go with Mansfield after what happened last night and the way Port Bell fans behaved. Hmm. I do a special mention for Swindon, though. They've not improved in penalties from recent years because they were <laughs> they were 2-1 up and had a penalty in hand after three... After, I think, Port Bell had taken three and they'd taken two. They were 2-1 hmm. up and managed to miss two out of the next three to, to take it to sudden death and then missed again. <laughs> they had a penalty to win it at three at three all with their last penalty and missed it. So uh good work. Yeah. <laughs> I think the other thing is um Swindon seem to have been trying to follow an agenda of playing a, a 
a good brand of football through two or three different managers. And they've got um, Ben Garner at the moment, who's doing very well in that regard. I think they are probably the most attractive of the teams from the division from last season, uh, from the, the season just finishing. Um, but I think... Um, Ultimately, they couldn't get over the line. They've only just squeezed into the playoffs, actually, mm. in the first place. And um, it'll be interesting to see what they do next season. If they can keep, what's his name, Harry McCurdy, is it? He looks McCurdy, he, yeah. He got a lot of abuse, because apparently he was at Port Bale last season. Obviously, yeah, he was, under, yeah. a a, under a bit of a cloud. And he was one of the ones who missed in the shootout. So that went yeah. down very well. I think well, he, he was one of the ones who was uh, attacked after the game, sadly. Oh, was he? Right. Yeah, well, that makes sense in terms of him not being popular. But um, yeah. yeah, he scored a great goal in the first leg as well. Um, yeah. Looks a good player, although he also looks like he, he works fixing computers or something. He's got that look about him. <laughs> but he's but a good player. I say, though, I feel a bit sorry for Northampton. I mean, you've got yes. to be lucky, haven't yeah. you? You're, you're, you're hit to the post by a team winning 7 0 on the last game of the season to go above your own goal difference by one, or was it just goal scored, one or the other? Uh, goal scored, because they scored, won their yeah. game 3 1, didn't they? Yeah. And they still didn't go up, yeah. And then, of and course, then to lose the the playoffs by a team who finished so three paces below you. And although, to be yeah. fair, not many points, it was all very tight, but yeah. three paces Nonetheless, you've but got you've already missed out by that. such a, such a right. thin margin. <laughs> The playoffs are a horrible thing if you, if, you know, when you're on the wrong end of it. As we discovered yeah. when we were, was it Sheffield Wednesday games when we were, well, exactly. partly robbed by injuries and partly robbed by a dreadful refereeing decision to yeah. allow their goal at the Amex. And luck as well with the, yeah. um, that loopy, well, it should have been given as a foul, but the loopy ball in that where Dunk was yeah. fouled, you know, and it, it wasn't intended as a shot and it ended up in the corner of the net and that killed off our momentum in the second leg. Yeah. But, um, no, I mean, for Northampton, I fully agree with you. They've been really unlucky. And, you know, that's, it's cruel. They don't even get to go to the, to see Wembley. And, um, it's, yeah, it's such a shame for them. Um, so yeah, that's the, that's the League Two one. Um, and with the championship, obviously we mentioned Forest. They, um, won the first leg 2-1. They actually lost the, um, well, they were losing the second leg from, from a winning position. They've gone 1-0 up. So they were 3-1 ahead on aggregate, got pulled back. And, um, then it went to, did it go to penalties? I've gone yep. blank. I think it did. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, you know, winning on penalties is a, a close call, but Forrest deserve it in the sense that they were definitely the better of the two sides. Yeah. What's, what, um, we, we mentioned Mansfield, of course, which is not far down the road from there. They were, they were joint bottom of the table when Nigel Clough took over this season. Steve Cooper's Forrest were bottom of the table when they took over and they got, got into the playoffs. Not only yeah. it got in, in Forrest's case, they were a fraction away from, Automatic in the end, which is an incredible achievement by yeah. both managers. Hats off to both of them. Yeah, and they Rose deserve the to get same, the though. Well, they didn't change manager. They were like bottom four or five yeah. at one point. Yeah, they weren't far above Mansfield. So yeah. I mean, it's, it, it goes to show if you know you're not having a great start to the season. It is that you know even if it's in ten games in, which generally people regard as a time to start looking at the table, there's still you know every chance that you can in the next you know especially in, in the lower leagues when when the you know the non Premier League where there's 46 games so. You've still got a long way to go. It's yeah, just look at, I've, I've got a stat here. Bristol Rovers were only four points above Mansfield at that time. This was this, by the way, was after fourteen games. Right, well so in. it's not like it was five or six in. Yeah, it's, it's almost so, a third of the way through the season. Yeah, so pretty impressive stuff, really. Speaking of um, stats, and um, one other one you've probably seen on the WhatsApp group we share. Um, there's a great stat that's saying after Nottingham Forest reached the playoff final and Oldham's relegation. There are just seven league teams amongst the current 90 or the next season's 92 who won't have played at the new Wembley since it opened in 2007, which is Accrington, Blackburn, uh, sorry, Accrington, Blackburn, Colchester, Crawley, Hardypool, Ipswich, and, um, well, it says Port Vale, but I think this was before, um, 
Yeah. This, this was, must have been posted before last night. So actually, it's now. only six. Yeah, yeah. I've just noticed that. Three of them had not played at Wembley at all, even with the old one. Yeah, and that's hardly Paul Crawley and Atkinson. Yeah, yeah. Crawley, understandably so, I guess. Because well, Atkinson been in the as well, they've only come back in. Although yeah, both of them could have got to the Vars or Trophy or something like that over the years. True, true. Yeah. And we'll touch on the FA Vars in due course, of course, here, Peter. Be. But um, yeah, any further thoughts on the um, the playoffs? I mean, should we talk I about the Forest with that? I haven't been to the Forest for a while. So mm. quite a good day out, but yeah. It is, yeah. It's a good good day out. Um, they haven't been up here for a while, so it would be quite nice in the sense that we can get to go to the ground again. There's lots of good microbreweries. And you've got the, the old trip to Jerusalem, of course, built into the um, the walls of the castle up there. It's great stuff. Plenty of places to go and um, plenty of things to do. And, you know, they probably deserve it on the balance, don't they, really? Yeah, having got so close and all that and on form as well. But then Huddersfield have been up there all season. They've had a decent year, mm. better than most people expected. So yeah. it won't be, won't be an easy game. It'll be very tough, yeah. as to be fair, as all the playoff finals. Will be and they, they signed Jordan Rhodes back from um, Sheffield Wednesday. And um, going up a division and having an aspirational season, having done so, um, that's a great story there as well. I mean, he's, I think he's still only in his early 30s, actually. But, yeah. Um, but yeah. yeah when they let him go, really. Things mm. they're now not promoted from League One and Huddersfield could go up to Premier League. Yeah. I, I think, think Huds are a good team as well. Yeah. I have to say, whoever, whoever goes up, I think probably will be pretty much favourites for relegation, rightly so. Yeah, uh, probably would be favourites. I'm not sure they would definitely go down. I think I, I, I wouldn't be confident with Huddersfield. I do think Steve Cooper and that, that Forest team, they've got some real talent in there. Um, I don't know if they'll be... they haven't they? Well, Jed Spence, who's brilliant right back or right wing back, is on loan from Middlesbrough. I bet they're glad they loaned him out. Very odd, that. Yeah, I mean, I, I'd imagine they'll be able to hold sway over him if, if they get promoted and they've got a Premier League um, offer. Um, yes, it's, Brennan, on the other hand, Johnson's quite a lot of money to spend on someone who you, you're only keeping the same team, so that's always a problem. You know, yeah. that's what Fulham always have the problem because they end up spending quite a lot of money. Leeds have the same as well. You know, if they're going to yeah. buy, but you wouldn't want have... to weaken the position by not having him next season. Yeah. So I think he's a very good player, really good player. So so is Brennan Johnson. Those two, yeah, and a couple of so other. He players. probably will go if if they don't go up. Yeah, yeah. A couple of other players in there, I think as well. Um, I think Samba, the goalkeeper, brilliant. Saved. I predicted he would make three saves in the shootout. And that's exactly what he did. I loved I his um, bottle bottle where he had the kind of the which way people were going to go on it and kind of working it out. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's had a list of names and down the middle to the left, whatever you know. It's great, good stuff. But it's he like um, some, some keepers look quite small in shootouts and some look huge. And he looked watching on TV. He yeah. looked absolutely massive. That he's quite funny. animated, isn't he? He was doing yeah. a lot of. Um, Dancing um, around and kind of like trying to put people off, and he, he just looked like. I mean, if I was taking that, I'd have been like, the goal is tightly compared. To <laughs> well, he's a big fella as well, isn't he? To be honest, so yeah, yeah it's one very of those imposing. Things. I'm most impressed with, yeah, with, with yeah. generally as well. Um, so yeah, so obviously, um, Luton are the team to miss out to Huddersfield. Um, some good games there, I think. Um, Luton came close to the mark. They they clawed their way back into the first leg, and then. Um, they gave a good account of themselves, I think, played pretty well in the second leg. Nathan oh, Jones... killed up the Huddersfield goal, and then, from what I yeah. read... Uh, Nathan Jones was named EFL Championship Manager of the Season. Um, so, you know, and I think rightly so, given they had, I think, the third lowest budget in the whole division, yeah. and they got quite comfortably into the playoffs in the end, um, and gave a good account of themselves. They're a bit unlucky, you could argue. Um, I think he's he's done a fantastic job. Certainly one potentially for the future with us, maybe. Who knows? Um, have you heard about the table tennis table incident? 
than Nathan uh-huh. Jones. Um, apparently, he thought that a lot of the players in their kind of downtime, club downtime, um, were playing too much table tennis and not enough in the gym or other more practical functions. Um, so he apparently smashed the table up and burnt it, <laughs> which I'm not sure is appropriate. It's probably got some plastic uh, content to it, hasn't it? Which might not be very appropriate to do. But yeah, a bit of a madman. Um, Obviously, it went down okay because they still carried on playing well. But yeah, so maybe they'd have won the playoffs if they if they'll play table tennis. <laughs> yes. Maybe it's a keeper, yeah. but they also like kind of block a shot by playing extra table tennis shots yeah. or something. Well, I've, I've had a quick knock around with table tennis. Quite enjoyed the game, but I, I think I prefer um, crazy golf now, Peter. Have you ever played it? No, never, <laughs> never in my life. Um, yes, Peter has just um, recovered from his stag, dude, ladies and gentlemen, and. Um, He's probably recovering from the crushing defeat in the uh, in the crazy golf. Who who won that? I can't remember. It was um there was nine of us, wasn't there? Yeah, he looked he was commandingly ahead at, at the front, actually, and um, by about two points. But anyway, we'll, we'll so pretend that's a yeah. <laughs> yeah, quite enjoyed that. Have I you wonder how you're gonna move, bring that into it and where you're gonna like I had to segue it in up. somehow. <laughs> Shoehorn it into the program. <laughs> um yeah, but you you had a good time, didn't you? Yeah, it was really good, yeah. Yeah, I'm still, still getting married. There's no, no permanent damage done. No. Not as far as I know, no. Um, but then, you know, you never know when these things are going to come out. <laughs> um, just quickly switch back to the playoffs. One thing I forgot to mention, VAR has been um, approved for all of the finals, which That's I think good. is a good thing, really. It makes no sense not to, really. Um, you've, got, well, you've got the equipment. Why would you risk, a, you know, an offside goal deciding promotion or something? Especially, I mean, it's important at all levels, but especially in the championship, which is like the rich. They say it's the richest game in football. You know, the, the reward for that winning that game is so much money. And that, yeah. I don't want to make it, and also obviously playing the Premier League as well. But the amount of money behind that is just obscene. And yeah, if you, yeah, you need to kind of have VAR behind it. Um, one of the line from um, the Football League, um, Rob Edwards, who managed uh, Forest Green Rovers, they were ahead all the way through the season from September until the penultimate weekend when Exeter overtook them. So although they both got promoted that by that point, um, it seemed that they were going to miss out on the title uh, to Exeter, but actually they swung it back, not by winning, but by drawing where Exeter lost. So they, they managed to win the title. However, Rob Edwards then behind the chairman's back, according to the chairman, got in touch with or was, or was approached by Watford and agreed to join them after the departure of Roy Hodgson, um, or if he's leaving anyway, or Roy Hodgson. Um, and yeah, Dale Vince was interviewed on Sky Sports News and he did not look a happy bunny Very about odd. the facts. It's a very odd appointment from Watford, really, because they it's not one that they historically have made regularly. A lot of the time it's overseas managers or, you mm. know, someone like someone like Hodgson for a, stop, a stopgap. But generally, they tend to go overseas for their managers. Yeah, um, it's a, it's maybe a it's one. Shows a different approach. Will, will he maybe. get more than half an hour in charge? So that's a big question. Well, this is the thing. I mean, OK, he's, he's only been in Forest Green a short while. He's turned it around quite quickly there. Um, and they were doing quite well, though, in the first place. So maybe yeah, there's they, a they were top 10 every season. Yeah, they, yeah. In the playoffs. But also, you know, maybe it is a change of philosophy. They damn well need one because I can't stand the way they run the club. Um, it's ridiculous. It's so disrespectful yeah. to all managers and to the players, really, because how are they supposed to cope with that? Yeah. Exactly. Um, and I think it's going to be interesting to see how he does. I mean, it's a hell of a, a jump up. You don't normally get an opportunity with a club freshly out of the Premier League um, from having got in, in the, you know, just one promotion, one, one season of notes so far. He's a young manager, but, you know, early days. It almost feels too early that he's... Yeah, it's quite a risky one for him, to be honest, mm. given how yeah. little, you know, Watford aren't, as, as we say, known for their patience. In fact, they're known for the exact opposite. So, yeah. 
It's, and other managers want with him. You know, you'd want a job if you're going to take it, maybe in a club where we would a bit more, you know, a bit more longevity possibly. But yeah. um, you know, maybe it'll be a, a brilliant choice. I don't know, but I, yeah, maybe it's one you can't turn down. But you'd have thought at the start of your career, you'd want to have, you know, to go for a more stable club who, yeah. or even have a go at Forest Green. I suppose his view is maybe if he, if they're Forest Green were bottom at Christmas, they might ditch him as well. So yeah. why not take the money while you can? We we have seen how it doesn't work when you try and change. I mean, we saw Eddie Howe go to Bourne, uh, to Burnley. I know there might have been other circumstances involved there, but um, you've, you've seen with Nathan Jones actually going to Stoke and that yeah. didn't pan out. And okay, luckily he went back and it was okay. It worked out well going back, which was another thing that doesn't always happen. Yeah. But there's lots of really good talented managers who are who are building a reputation over time. We we talked to Adam Hinchelwood at Worthing further down the chain, but also you've you've got managers like um, in the National League. Premier, you've got Luke Garrard at Boreham Wood, who's been doing a brilliant job. Unfortunately for them, due to a mixture of reasons, they missed out on the playoffs. But I would bet they'd be one of the top two or three next season. Um, really exciting. Well, their budget, though, that's their big issue. They haven't really got the money, which mm. is why I think they, they had a, quite a small squad and they had a lot of cup games. And I think that's what, what what's yeah, they lost Tishmanga, they lost to Chesterfield, didn't they? Who had yeah. more money, although yeah, he ended up being injured. I think it sounds pretty interesting. I've heard a link with very, a couple of jobs recently of um, Michael Duff at Cheltenham. Yeah, he's done well. Yeah, a little bit of a different way of playing, not not quite so flamboyant, but he's successfully got them up for I think the first time yeah. in a long time, and he kept them up comfortably. The height of position, end. I think, this season. Yeah, and I think I read somewhere it's the first time they've had a player score twenty goals with Alfie at, at that level with Alfie May. Oh right, right. They've not been loads of years at the at League One level. They paid us for a few years at that, but I don't think other than that they've been up that high very regularly. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's interesting, and I mean, obviously you've got some. Um, Rob Chandler, obviously, with Stockport, and they, he Dave dropped back Chandler. down. Yeah. Sorry, Dave Chandler, yeah, who, who got Hartlepool up and then dropped back down to take over Stockport, which is, is a bigger club, I think, personally. It, it definitely is. Yeah. yeah. And they've, they've been getting 8,000 crowds and all sorts. They've been on a pretty good long run, unbeaten for many months. They did lose a game and had a sticky spell, which led to Wrexham almost squeezing it back up on them. It went to the final game of the season, or sorry, it went to the final week of the season. Um, Stockport needed four points to confirm promotion. They won their game in hand in midweek, which meant they only needed a point. And they had a home match, which um, was against reasonably a doable opposition. Halifax, while Re- do you want to know, Halifax who were doing pretty well, to be fair. They're like fourth or whatever. They are, yeah, they're no. solid. But I think, I think they're maybe not so much away from home. I'm not sure they're in particularly brilliant form. But yeah, I mean, it was, it, was, it was a winnable game. But Wrexham had a tricky game anyway. They had to go to Dagenham. They got beaten 3 0. Mm-hmm. They did manage to finish second, so Solihull's third. Those are the sides that will have home advantage following the knockout games played before it. They'll play the winners in the knockout round. Um, but Stockport did win 2 0 anyway, so they ended up, I think, yeah. for three or four, four so, points ahead. The big league club, ex league clubs below them as well, not counting yeah. against Grimsby as one playoff semi. And Battle of the Black and Whites, yeah. Chesterfield against someone Halif- else. Halif- uh, Solihull Moors, isn't it? Or, no, Halifax. Halifax, so you're right. Halifax, yeah. so four. Four, yeah. if you include Rex and five former quite decent size yeah. league clubs in the yeah. playoffs. And on that note, you know, the team's coming down. You've got, obviously, you've got Oldham and um, Scunthorpe coming down. Oldham have still got troubles off the pitch. They're, either way around, they're not going to find that easy. Look where South End finished this season. Look who else is still down there, apart from the ones you've mentioned. You've got Torquay United in there. Dagenham and Redbridge themselves, um, although traditionally and on the club, have yeah. been in the league Yeovil. quite a bit in recent years. Yeovil as well, yeah. And they've taken on, who's they got on as manager? They've got a new manager, as familiar name. I've forgotten who it is. They've just appointed someone. Lots of managerial changes as well. But in terms of the National League, yeah, the final day, I think it's been a really good season. I've watched a lot of it. 
I've enjoyed it. There's been some good games. I've watched some, some of the highlights. Um, and I think it's a very strong division. There's a lot of calls for, for either, um, just voting on having a third place up and down between League Two and the National League Prem, which I 100% think should happen and should happen now. Oh, yeah. We should get that in as soon as possible. There is going to be the problem of the turkeys voting for Christmas element, but it should just be imposed on them by the authorities. Yeah. It should be. No, I agree. You've it got to find a way to up. make that. Yeah. Because you've now got a situation where you've almost got a stronger division below the one above yeah. to some degree. Certainly the top third of that division, National League, is better than probably the bottom half of League One, of League Two, sorry. Um, I'd even it up as well. I'd make it three up from League Two because I never understood why they have four up in League Two and yeah. three up everywhere else. It doesn't make any sense at all, no. does it? It's really a random odd. choice. Like people threw a dice and went, yeah. oh, I'll have four up at this level. Yeah. Obviously, you get, then once below the National League, it gets a bit harder because... Um, because uh, you've got to have the, the feeder, two feeder leagues in. So even with four down, you only get two up, but which does make it a bit harder. So you're, yeah. I think you're in a playoff final of, against Boston, I think. Boston, in the North. that's right. Yeah. Quite a, you know, both two quite, you know, former league clubs. You're quite a big former league club. Yeah. Um, yeah. That'd be good that's to right. I'd like to see them win that because. Yeah. And um, whoever wins that goes up with Gateshead, who won the congratulations. Yeah. Then they're back up into the National Prem after winning the title. And in the South, um, we have Maidstone won the title, so they're yeah. back into the National League. Um, then Dorking are playing Ebsfleet, I think, in the thing. That's correct, That's yeah. the only one of any of the playoffs that I can think of where it's the second and third place teams are in the, are in the actual finals. That's right, yeah, because I think Boston and York finished fifth and seventh. Yeah, they did, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, the, the Dorking absolute game will be interesting. Dorking on, on face value deserve it by the points they got. They were leading for a lot of the season yeah. over, overall in the end by Maidstone, but they probably deserve it. But then it's, they've still got to prove that again. They are at and, home, which helps. Yeah. I think that level yeah, they yeah, does not being yeah. home advantage. I whoever, think you're at home, aren't they, in the, their one? Yeah. Who, whoever misses out joins the likes of Oxford City. I think who else missed out in the playoffs? Um, Oxford City and Dartford, who will be playing Worthing next season. Yeah, yeah, and we'll. Uh, and, and also, we should mention. I'm not sure if we mentioned. But Billericay won't be. Billericay will not be. No, that's right. Yeah, yeah, they're down. Um, Chesant, ironically, with the team not not the most formed team over the season, that joined Worthing and getting promoted via the playoffs. So we'll see. They, Chesant they were again, the formed team at the end, though, weren't team. they? Which often happens. It's like you know, it's yeah. funny how often it does happen that a team you know, so far away, kind of has a good run at the end, gets into the playoffs, and then, you know, they look quite decent. Like, although Worthing won 3-0 or 2-2-0, was it? 2-0, uh, yeah. They look quite decent, I thought, when, when we went there. Yeah, and in fairness, you know, I, I suppose it is a little bit un- unfortunate to to just come for another team to come into form just at the end, because that is just, if the form is temporary, class is permanent thing, doesn't really come into play then. Form actually does make the difference, yeah. which is a bit of a shame for... As a matter of well, just timing, it's not planned, but, is but it? They do make the season much more interesting. I mean, a number of teams, and they, they are much more heavily weighed towards the bit, the top side in that division because you only have one leg, don't you? So the, the, yeah. so the, the higher up team and the finals are home or away, a home and away. So or mm. just home, sorry, one team's at home and a final. So they are at least more weighed towards the the them than the than the um, other one where it's just home home and away the first two legs yeah. and then a, a neutral final. The season's going to drag out a bit, isn't it? Because I think it's June the 5th is the National League um, yeah. Premier um, playoff final. Because they've got to, obviously, because you've got these teams are playing a game and then whoever wins then plays someone who hasn't been playing. Yeah. It's stretched out a bit, isn't it? And, and they finished, um, only finished last weekend as well. It was very late. They finished. 
Yeah, I don't know if that's whether it got delayed due to postponements or whether it was always scheduled for that. I presume I think it might have been always scheduled. scheduled. I think they finished their old season quite late, so they started this one a bit later, I think, and then as a result of that, kind of, yeah, finished. Mm. Yeah, but it's one of those things, isn't it? Um, just a couple of other bits um, before we have a quick break. Um, Richard, friend of the show, Richard Holberton, um, he couldn't make today's pod, but he did send a message saying, sorry, can't do it, but all good topics. Safety of players and managers in pitch invasions is a real concern. I remember Paul Hayward writing that ours in 2017 was so good-natured that nobody could possibly complain about it, and he was right. But as we've seen, just seen, there's no guarantee that it will be like that. Only takes one or two. Um, just ask Monica Sellers, he says as well. Yeah, she had a rather unfortunate incident as well, didn't she? Um, yeah. so, so that was one thing. And um, I think the other thing I was going to mention was just about, um, I, we've mentioned it on the last podcast, but you wouldn't have had a chance to mention it, to talk about um, the EFL. Uh, Jake Daniels, you no doubt caught the news of that. Blackpool, 17-year-old that's just broken into the first team from a 30-goal scoring um, youth career in his first full season playing I think in representing Blackpool and um, he's got into the first team and he's come out um, first person to do so for 32 years in England at the professional level and um, that's an interesting uh, very brave move I think um, but interesting as well what's your take on that because I haven't had a chance to speak to you about it yeah I mean it's I think it's great hopefully it will be the you know the kind of the domino effect now that other players will feel more able to do it but to him to put himself in the firing line is, is very brave very Considering how much homophobia there is in football generally, I'd say, especially yeah. you look at how you know the kind of idiots who, who shout abuse at Albion fans and that sort of thing. And generally, yeah. you can imagine they love to shout abuse at him and that sort of thing. I saw a few hilarious comments from Palace fans on Twitter about how he wants to play for Brighton, and it's like, yeah, casual homophobia is not okay. Yeah, yeah well done, Palace. And they made some somebody on Twitter as well while we bad mouthing Palace made some snippy comment about Mielenko. Um saying they've got no country to go back to. I thought, lovely, really charming, you know. So there's some really, um, really nice characters out there, isn't there? I Peter? mean, so it's, yeah, it's, it, it's a big risk from him, but it's someone had to be the one who started it. And for a 17-year-old to do it is, hmm. frankly, yeah. amazing, so brave. And he's not gonna get hope, any of his... I hope that what I fear ha- what's go- is going to happen to him doesn't happen to him, but I can't help feeling he's going to get a lot of, ab- a lot of abuse yeah. initially next season. Hopefully now, as a result of this, there'll be more players who, who feel able to come out and that will then mean that it's less of a, there's less of a stigma around it in football and that sort of thing. But yeah, yeah I'm, I'm not going to hold my breath in the short term. Yeah. I think he might be in for some, some stick. Yeah. I mean, he'll he said it's not going to bother him. And I hope he, as well, but he'll, yeah. yeah. He said it's not going to bother him and I, and I hope, I hope he means that and I hope, I hope that is the case. But um, already one of his to... teammates had to apologise for a homophobic comment yeah and it's a bit, a bit ridiculous like well no well, you, you shouldn't apologize just because you've got a teammate who's gay you should apologize because it's homophobic and you shouldn't have said it in the first place and it's and it's interesting going into it's a lot going on this week around homophobia around um idris Agui, 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 yeah, well. just gonna say that. Mm. um because obviously he's refused to play in psg's rainbow laces game i mean i frankly find the the rainbow the rainbow game for psg hilarious given who their owners are and similarly for other yeah. clubs as well, you know, the idea that Newcastle came out and supported, um, you know, supported um, what happened last week as well. It's just like, really, the hypocrisy of the whole thing when your country yeah. basically is, you know, kind of, well, in some countries, is actually punishable by death, you know. That yeah. is, rank hypocrisy is like the highest yeah. nature. It's ridiculous. But 
you know, just to then come out and say, you know, kind of basically say he's, like, he's injured or he's pulled himself out yeah. when actually he kind of, yeah, obviously yeah. clearly was. And then, and, and then Kuyate of Palace obviously supported him as well and said, and uh, like most, a lot of Senegalese people, including the president, have supported him as well. So, yeah, yeah disturbing. two player, two Premier League players, while well, one of them isn't going to be for very long at all, or maybe he will be, Saar. Um, uh, basically, the gay's got two mates who've come out. Saar, not come out like that, come out in support, I should say. They definitely haven't um, come out like that. They've very much not done that, no. Yeah, Saar and, um, and Czech Quixote of, of Palace have both come out in support. I can't remember which way around it was, but one of them said, um, no, he's a real man. And the other one's just made some other comments in support of, of his move not to, not to do it. Pretty abhorrent. Um, Patrick Vieira has kind of painted around the scene a little bit. He, he hasn't, he hasn't criticized. Outwardly, I wouldn't say. He basically said you're dealing with it internally, didn't he? Yeah, I wouldn't say anymore. I think I was a bit wishy-washy, to be honest. Um, I don't have any issue with the way he dealt with the moron on the pitch, Everton. But in that regard, I think he was weak. I mean, that would be one way to discourage people coming on the pitch. For the footballers to be given carte blanche to punch them. That would be... Yeah, that would be good. The Vieira incident, by the way, there was a there was a young lad came on the pitch. He he confronted him. He was doing a bit of shuffling motions as if it might be a little bit of a boxing move. And then he said something to Vieira, and Vieira reacted. I don't know if it was anything offensive or just a general provocation. And Vieira basically sort of pushed him and did a one of those sort of casual kicks. That's not really a, a violent kick, but the player did. Uh, the the guy did fall over because um it shows how difficult it is to stay on your feet on the pitch. Maybe Zaha does have a, a reason to fall over. But anyway, um, you know, this guy fell over and then a couple of people sort of squared up to Vieira. The guy who fell over then came up and gave him a kind of push-punch type thing. And then that's all you could see. And then it, the, the video finishes. So that's I don't think anything much man happened. to confront, to be honest. Well, no, exactly. I mean, he stood up to Roy Keane. I mean... Choose your battles, for goodness sake. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, at least do it on your own side, probably. Or, to be honest. Yeah, or do it the coward's way, like that um, Forest fan who goes in on someone unsuspecting altogether, doesn't even have a chance to brace yeah. themselves. That, that would be even better. You're yeah. not starting a man who is probably a lot taller, stronger, and quite scary. <laughs> and faster. Yeah. Other than yeah. that, though, you, you, it's pretty even. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But no, hats off to Jake Daniels. I really hope that things work out for him. He's doing it right at the beginning of his career. So it's, you know, he's, it's not as if he's going to try and just quietly enjoy the benefit of his career for a while and then do it halfway through. He's, he's gone right. You know what? The whole of this career is going to be the real me and see how it goes. And I can't say anything other than to wish him the very best of luck. No, I didn't, I did invite him on, but um, he didn't reply. I think he's probably got quite a few messages. At the I, moment, I wish him all the best. I'm just. <laughs> I just think he's been really brave and yeah. I fear for what might happen to, you know, the abuse he might get next season, especially given mm. some other teams in the, imagine if Burnley go down, imagine mm. the abuse that any Anderthals will give him, you yeah, know, exactly. teams like that. And like, like Preston, who are obviously local rivals and Blackburn and that sort of thing, you yeah. know, kind of the abuse he'll get from their fans, especially. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. It's got to go off the scale, isn't it? And we had, we've had some incidents this week. Burnley fans of Nazi salutes to Spurs. We've had everything. We all know what happened to Burnley when they get, we don't like someone. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, we had it. Not not an experience. That Guyton Bond game was one of the worst experiences ever. Oh, yes. Recalling and the whole Jay Rodriguez thing. Everton fan abusing, um, Brentford players, families. Um, as well, we've had that. There's been all sorts going on this week. I, I uh, do say generally when people comment, if it's your person, I get comments about football fans that we're generally quite decent people, but you do wonder sometimes, actually. Yeah. Well, it doesn't help. There's so much stuff in the public eye. It really yeah. does cause a problem, doesn't it? Right. Well, Peter, let's take a break there. When we come back in part two, um, 
We've got the West Ham preview, final game of the season this coming Sunday. But it's not the only big game coming up uh, for Sussex this Sunday because Littlehampton Town are in the FA Vars final. So we'll be talking about that as well. We'll probably touch on a little bit of stuff to do with USG, um, some other bits and pieces, and um, really kind of just um, shaping up for the end of the season, aren't we now? So we'll come back with all of that in part two. As sure as night follows day, part two follows part one. We're back with, with um, some more fun and, fun and frolics as Peter um, shakes his head in dismay. Um, part two, of course, is the bit. Oh, now but, where of we course, go- but then day follows night as well, whereas part one does not. The part two is not followed by part one. He has to be a smart ass, doesn't he? He has to be a smart ass. Right. OK, well, anyway, this is part two, the final part of this. It's not going to be followed by anything else apart from the next episodes, obviously. Um, so West, West Ham preview, um, a summary of what's been going on with the Premier League, um, some stuff from elsewhere in Northern Europe, namely Belgium and Germany, and a couple of other little articles. That's what's coming up next, uh, ladies and gentlemen. Um, so I think we'll start, we'll come to West Ham later. Well, should we start with just a summary as we've been summarising all the playoffs and everything else? We'll carry on and go global with it, shall we, and talk about USG and Germany. So USG, um, they won the title, but then they didn't win the title <laughs> because of that ridiculous system they've got in Belgium where um, the winners, that have, they've won it, but they haven't. They have to yeah, do that, a playoff system. This based is why on I disagree completely with playoffs. I think it's ridiculous mm. that they've got playoffs to, to decide who wins the title. It's tracked like, out for the sake of it, isn't it? It's one it's, thing to kind of like have them to have the final promotion place, which I think... You know, I, I, it's a annoying on the one hand, annoying if you're the top team, but also then does keep the season interesting for more teams. But mm. to have it, yeah, to have the have the actual title decided by a, a, a playoff, it's very odd. Yeah, and they finished second because I, I think they lost both games to Bruges. Yeah, they did. Also, and, the, the the bigger side traditionally who yeah, and then, who and then the their their, man, their chairman start or manager start. No, I think it was the chairman started moaning about USG and Tony Bloom's link to them and their link to us as well, apparently. And it's like okay. the opposite of sour grapes, really, you know, kind of like, why would you win the title and then moan about, you know, kind of criticise the links between us and USG? Yeah. And what's, what's more, I mean, you can understand if they wanted to, I don't know, just drag the season out for the sake of it. But the fact that that is going to make a difference to who does what in the Champions League, because Bruges now get the automatic group stage place, as I understand it, and USG have to go through a qualifier. Um, And seeing as we, of course, we know that certain players will not be with them next season, um, that's going to be tougher than it would have been. Um, Well, on, on paper, it might be. Bit of a shame for them. But I think we we can say the true champions, we know who they are. And it's definitely USG for me. Um, congratulations to them on a brilliant season. Mitoma yeah. and Undav, I think, both scored in the final game of did, the yeah. playoff part of the season as it well. It wasn't so, the so... final one. I think they've still got one more this weekend. But I think because of their head-to-head with Bruges, they can't overtake them, even though they're only three points behind. Oh, that's what it is, uh, yeah. And yeah, the yeah, one that guaranteed th- second place as well, so make sure they definitely got the second place at least. Yeah, so. yeah. So that's all good. Meanwhile, in Germany, Peter, our teams haven't been doing well recently. Of course, they're in the second tier. But not for long, necessarily. Um, well, Werder Bremen, definitely not your one. Yeah, Werder Bremen are up amidst rumours that Pascal Gross might be going there. We'll talk a bit more about that in a minute. But, um, but yeah, uh, Werder are up. You guys are in Hamburg, that playoff. is. We're in a playoff. And you were watching them last night in the yeah, first Yeah, they, they won 1-0 at Hertha Berlin. So They bored them to death, I understand. <laughs> was, it, was it a bore draw? No, was that Werder fans saying that, was it? <laughs> maybe, maybe not. Um, 
Yeah, no, I yeah. Mean, hopefully there's, they can go up. There's one note to that. Last year, apparently, Cologne lost one at home to Hol- uh, Holstein Kiel in the first leg of the playoff. And then they went to Holstein Kiel in the second leg and won 5 1 to stay up. So <laughs> I'm hoping that won't repeat itself Ooh. on Monday. But Speaking yeah, of Germany, like, well, if, I mean, if Hamburg come up, it will complete a trio of quite big clubs because Schalke won the league, having mm-hmm. gone down for the first time in ages last season. Because, I mean, historically, they've been a top six club pretty much and got into Europe quite a lot. Um, and then, yeah, obviously, Werder are a pretty big team in Germany and Hamburg are. So yeah. it could be a. I think they replaced one of them is replacing Grütefürst, I think, which is the, yeah, the best name. Yeah, Grütefürst, Bielefeld, or however you pronounce it. But Hertha have, have had a, a really kind of rocky few weeks because they, they were beating Arminia Benefield previously to, to give themselves a chance to, to, which would have guaranteed survival over, and Stuttgart would have been in the playoff. And mm. then they ended up drawing with them in the last minute. And then they went to Dortmund at the weekend and were one up at half time and doing quite well, ended up losing, which meant Stuttgart could score the last minute winner in their game and stay up. Yeah. So Marco Rose or Rosa has uh, left uh, Borussia Dortmund after has, one season, yeah. by the way. But um, no, Gruta Firth is my favourite um, team name wise. I think it's brilliant. I do like, <laughs> it like the Swedish chef talking. team. It's someone called Urza Burger or something like that, or, which I quite like. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Um, Speaking of German football, the playoff system, I mean, they, they include the, the relegation elements as well, the relegation place mm. side, uh, which is third bottom in the Bundesliga, isn't it? There's or, only two um, teams in it as well. There's not uh, multiple teams. There's only like Yeah, one, it's just a face-off, them. isn't it? So it's third yeah. bottom versus, what is it? Fifth, third, third top. Or third, third top, yeah. So what, do you like that system? Would you like to see that over here? They did do it very briefly at one they point. Did, I think, they did, but they included them in the semi-finals. And, and they still do it in Scotland, I think, don't they? They have that, that system. Yeah. Um, I'm not. I don't think it's a particularly bad idea. I think. I think I like the fact that the playoffs extend further down. So I think, in a way, if you're not going to bother, if, if you're going to do it the way the Germans do, I just have three up, three down. To be honest, because mm. I don't think. I think that should be. I think there should be three down. If you're going to have like quite a lot of movement up and down in the top flight, you're not going to end up with a, you know, kind of like True. the same teams over and over again. So I, I would be inclined if you're doing that to have, and if you're having a playoff, have it extend down into the lower lower reaches, but. Like you know, down to six for the in the lower league, but yeah, I mean, it's not a bad system. It's fair enough, you know. Both teams, I think, most things. I mean, even the Belgian league, every team at the start of the season knows that's the rules. As long as they don't change them halfway through, you know, mm. you, you can't really complain. I mean, USG, you know, didn't win the league under the rules. That's you know, it, it, you can argue it's unfair, but every other team is played by those rules as well. Yeah, fair enough. Um. Yeah, so um, hopefully Hamburg will come up. It'd be good to have um, a bit of banter again in the yeah. top flight. Some family um, were also up there for quite a long time and then fell apart a bit towards the end. Uh, that's a bit of a shame. It's been quite a while since they've been up, hasn't it? Yeah. Um, obviously in Germany, uh, Bayern Munich won the title. That was boring. France, PSG won the title. That was boring. Uh, Dutch football, yes, it was like Ajax of Amsterdam. Boring. <laughs> it's all rather boring, isn't it? Well, the, Except- the Italian one, are you going to say Italian or... Yeah, I was going to say the Italians being yeah. decent with the Milan clubs going head to head. By the way, yeah. Origi's going to um, Milan next season. Um, it's been announced. Um, and then they're losing Kessi and Romagnoli. They're, using, they're losing yeah. a few players as well. Yeah. yeah. So, but um, then, of course, but, they, they lost Donnarumma on a free last summer and replaced yeah. him with Ma- Ma- Magnon, who's been like the best goalkeeper in, in Hamburg, quite a lot of Europe, I think, from the South. Yeah, that turned out, turned out well in the end, didn't it? That one. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's been a good league title. Well, I mean, player of his ability on a free. But... Napoli haven't won for so long and I thought this might be their season. They've been pushing for two or three years, but they dropped away. Yeah. Um, it's been an okay division, though. Atalanta have dropped off quite badly this season, having been the Champions League the last couple of years. They've come eight, mm. they're down to eighth, I think, now. Although if they win at the weekend, they could come sixth, I think, from memory. 
Yeah. And Genoa have gone down with Ostergaard. Yeah, shame. Good, good city, good club. Um, oh, and Real Madrid, of course, in Spain, another boring one. And Barca second, boring. <laughs> um, but um, you said the same about yeah. the Premier League, though. City, Liverpool, <laughs> dominating. Yeah, exactly. Game. Yeah, true. At least, at least there's two in that one to the end of the season as well. We'll, we'll get on to our Premier League summary as well as the preview in a, in a moment. Just a couple of other bits. Um, football cliches. Haven't done one for a while. There's one that's been emerging in recent um, recent seasons, and in particular this season, being brave on the ball. Have you have you caught this? This this is getting mentioned a lot at the moment. Have you ever been brave on the ball, Peter? Um, not recently. <laughs> Are you being brave on a pod by bringing it up? Yes, probably am, yeah. And I'm going to bring something else up on the pod now to do with cliches. And it is my favourite subject. I keep, and this is the most geeky and weird thing to do, but I can't stop myself, a difficult place to go slash tough place to go um, list of, t- of, of places. And uh, we've got 70 so far this season, um, which is um, quite close in behind the 1990, uh, 2019-20 season of 74 and the all-time record of 83 for a season. 70 is not a bad haul. Shall I list the best of them? They include Aberystwyth, which is bizarre. <laughs> Arsenal's why, why women. Why was someone talking about Aberystwyth in a game you were watching? <laughs> I don't know. I can't remember. Arsenal's women's in there. You've got places like Barnsley, who got quite comprehensively relegated this season. Villaricky, who also got relegated this season. I see they didn't um, talk about the Amex. Yeah, Bright, <laughs> Brightlingsea. Brightlingsea is on the list. Brighton is on the list as well. But Brightlingsea, who uh, struggled very heavily in the Isthmian Prem. Did anyone really uh, think we were a tough place to go this season? I mean, well, our home record was exactly. I got six quotes uh, to that. Should be more a tough team to host, really, shouldn't it? <laughs> yes, yeah. Six, six different quotes for Brighton being a tough place to go. Do you know what the winner was, though? In fact, we were second. Do you know what the winner was? Burnley. Oh. Burnley has not been a tough place to go. They've been in the relegation zone all season. Unbelievable. Berry it's a tough Town. place to go, I think you might not get out alive or you probably get from <laughs> abuse or something. You've got, you've got Berry it's a tough Town. place to want to go to. Our <laughs> Shorten Athletic, which is another <laughs> struggling Isbjörn League team. Brilliant. Um, Cray Wanderers, who have been good, but they had a terrible season. They're in there. Enfield Town. Um, and there's a couple of other quirks. We've got Honduras in there as well, which is nice. Hungary got three <laughs> votes. Um, Kidderminster, Kingstonian, a load of load of clubs that didn't really do very well. Ironically, Liverpool only got four and Man City only got three. They're easy places to go, you see, Peter. Yeah. I, th- um, I think they just don't really need to say it, really. <laughs> my my favourite one... When Norwich go to Man City, they probably don't go... Liverpool City's a tough place to go. <laughs> <laughs> my favourite one, Man United got four <laughs> votes. One of them was from Graham Soonis after Liverpool thrashed them 5-0. I mean, must have been taking the mickey. If he was, commendations to him, because that's, that's brilliant shit. That, is, that, that, that wins the <laughs> list of sad lists of the season award, I think, that one. Yeah. That must be... Uh, yeah. Were there, any, were there any last season? Because surely when the crowds got it, it wasn't worth saying, was it, last season? No, there, there, were, there were quite a few last season. There was um, let me t- My tally came to um, 52. A tough place to go even enough. without the crowds. So. <laughs> yes, yeah. Uh, Raheem Sterling um, thought that Newcastle was a tough place to go when he visited them with Man City when they were shit, which is interesting as well. Um, the other features in there, I think, just flicking very quickly through the rest. Have you had anyone say this is an easy place to go? No, 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 because it's just not the done thing, is it, to say that? It's just not, well, not cricket. Um, but it's not Rotherham. Not We're not talking about cricket. Yeah. Uh, Rotherham, who, of, of Rotherham, course, to be um, fair, went up. Can't really argue. Oh, oh no, sorry, they, they did right, didn't they? Yeah. And um, Warrington, also on the list, um, amongst others. But I think we still be union rather than football. Yeah, it might have been. There's still a couple of weeks to go, of course. Um, so 
who knows where it's all going to end. Um, but anyway, that's enough on the cliche. Often going to York again, it's like it's a tough place to go. <laughs> um, but as long as we're brave on the ball, we can we can win, Peter. Um, so anyway, that's that. Uh, Otherwise, far- think as a parrot. <laughs> Premier League is our final port of call. But before we get to that, have you uh, have you heard about Fartgate? If you haven't, you've got to hear about Fartgate. Go on. <laughs> So this is actually, it's a story from about three or four weeks ago, I think. Um, there's a report in ESPN online from May the 10th, which um, details it. Marcelo, the former player, has been dropped from Lyon's first team for farting and laughing in the dressing room, according to sources. The Brazilian defender Marcelo was, was dropped from the Lyon first team due to continuous farting and laughing in the dressing room. Um, it says that he was caught laughing during Captain... Lee Dubois speech to rally the troops following the game, which didn't go down too well recently with manager Peter Bosch and sporting director Juninho. However, according to ESPN sources, uh, Marcello was also disciplined by the club for repeatedly farting among his teammates in the dressing room and laughing in the presence of Juninho and Bosch. Marcello was considered one of the leaders of the team and had signed a new contract a few months before the start of the season, but the club described his actions after the Angers loss as inappropriate behaviour. Um, I would have thought that was part of the course in um, in football dressing rooms, wouldn't it? Um, his contract was actually terminated at the end of, of January as a result of this, and he joined Bordeaux. And Bordeaux themselves themselves bottom of the league. Yeah, it is a bit, isn't it? I mean, you know, you can stick the place out as a player, but... <laughs> I was going to say, it makes, it makes a difference from shit performances to... Uh... <laughs> oh, dear. Yes. Yeah. Very good. Very good. I'm trying to think of some more puns, but it's not coming to me. So we'll, we'll move swiftly on. Yes. I'm a bit constipated in that regard at the moment. Um, so, so finally, we, we switch our attentions to, well, the division in which our team's in, really. The Premier League. Finally, we get around to it. First of all, midweek action. It's been quite interesting, hasn't it, Peter? You've been following it, I think, more than I have. I caught this. I caught the just the goals from the Liverpool game um, as they happen sort of thing, where they came from behind to beat Southampton with a weakened team. Um, Liverpool had a weakened team, that is, um, which made for more drama than they probably gambled on. Um, however, they got over the line. They've been able to rest a number of their players for the weekend's match at home to Wolves. That's job done for them. Um, for other sides, though, interesting matters, the bottom of the table in particular. You've been following that closely yesterday, uh, what was it like? How did you find it? I particularly enjoyed finding out the, the Palace result because it was 2-0 down yeah. when I went into the cinema and it was 3-2 when I came out, which is nice. Yeah, it was it was an interesting evening. I was actually mainly watching the Hamburg game to the point where I watched three games over the evening and didn't actually see a live goal in normal normal play. So I watched the Hamburg game and I missed that one goal turning over to see Burnley's penalty at Villa, <laughs> which had already been scored. So I so I missed it. I just sort of the follow-up then missed then watched the rest of the Hamburg game, didn't see it on the goal. Watched the rest of the Burnley game, missed the Villa equaliser and so didn't see it on the goal. And then watched Port Valley against Swindon in the playoffs semi final and didn't see a goal until the penalty shootout. So, have you considered a, a job working for ITV during the World yeah. Cup coverage? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm done really well last night. But yeah, it's it's very interestingly poised. I mean, Everton obviously de- turned it around fantastically last night, and mm. Palace against Man U on the weekend could well be a game between two teams who are a bit shell shocked after their last two. Two games, yeah. which is quite entertaining. Absolutely. Um, I mean, Everton, obviously, we sort of had talked about the pitch invasion earlier. That's because um, not only it's great turnaround to win a match and turn or down, but it did secure their uh, survival. And their home form has been key to that, hasn't it? So Lampard's got over the line where we thought maybe he wasn't the man for the job. Now he might be more suited to next season. Who knows? But um, what yeah, that I, does I mean for us... I think he probably will. I think he's a much more of a 
mid-table yeah. Everton sort of manager in that sense than a kind of relegation scrapper. And I think I think he'll, you know, it's interesting to see what he does. I mean, some of the the money that these players are on and, the, you know, the kind of the issues they've got with them is... So, I mean, I don't know, what, you know without players leaving, someone like Deli Ali has still got two years left of his two-and-a-half-year contract. Hardly got a start since he signed, you know, it's... Yeah. There's something there's something quite wrong at that club, but something, they still shouldn't be yeah. coming that close to relegation. Yeah. At half time with Burnley winning and them two down, they looked in real trouble. And yeah, obviously to turn it around like they did. And Burnley, yeah, yeah, Burnley very... suffered an equaliser, didn't they? As yeah. Well, so. yeah. But um, so Burnley's draw last night means our old friends at Leeds, despite their nicking uh, nicking a, a last minute equaliser against us, and also apparently being very happy about it and going over the top with their celebrations are back in the bottom three, which, <laughs> much as it goes against the grain to want Burnley to survive, and I, I don't, don't get me wrong, I'd be quite amused if they go down as well. Um, yeah. Leeds going down is a delicious thought for the weekend. Yeah. Look at, the, look at his little of, face. That's <laughs> grinning. Brilliant. They've got to get a result at the weekend of some sort of Brentford because a defeat will, barring Burnley losing about 30 nil or something like that, 20 nil. So their dreadful goal difference, they've got to get a result. It's a tough place to go, Brentford, you know. Hey. Not <laughs> yeah, they're on the place, list already, don't worry. Not, not an easy place to go, and they've had a good season at home. They've, they've, yeah, they have. They've to, they they want to finish off on a, on a high, and yeah, what what a tempting, hilarious. I mean, yeah. it would be so funny to see them go down after the arrogance that their fans showed about Ben White and about finishing above us last season for only the second time in 10 years or something. When you know little old Brighton have finished above them every other season, other than and that. also how they they'd seemingly survived relegation last week by getting a late equaliser. Yeah, when they had previously just... bragged about how Brighton and Brentford the games they're looking to win, yeah, but well, they didn't beat us and they were still celebrating. Okay, fine. Well, it's obviously a massive result for them, isn't it? They need to get a draw. So and, yeah, and now they've got to go to Brentford and they've got a Burnley home to Newcastle. Quite fancy yeah. to get a result in that, and Leeds. Leeds yeah. if, but if Burnley win, Leeds have got nothing to play for. They're down. Yeah. Leeds have to get to the result. I, I don't think they will, uh, personally. But the beauty is, I mean, it is a bit of a reverse version of Sophie's Choice here, isn't it? Which ones you want to keep? Yeah, exactly. know which ones you want to, quite you want to lose the most. <laughs> yeah, it would, it would be great, wouldn't it? If somehow there was... Uh, Suddenly Norwich have, added like 20 yeah. points or something like that. Somehow they get a reverse of a points deduction for some bizarre yeah. reason, yeah. But commendable yeah, behaviour. Norwich or Watford next year, neither of those two. But yeah, yeah it's... Um, it could be hilarious, and the yeah. and and the joy of the fact that their one season they've done well in Premier League was when their fans couldn't even go anyway. It's, it's just really <laughs> hilarious. And, That's my favourite bit about the whole thing. Yeah. It's absolutely great. And on top of all that, of course, well, what happened at the week uh, in the week was that Everton's win um, means that Palace don't have. Um, finishing above us in their own hands anymore. Yeah. They could have, if they won that game, they would have gone ahead of us on goal difference yeah. going into the final weekend. And now they've got to win and hope that we lose. So a, yes. draw, a draw for us, barring Brentford winning by three goals, um, will guarantee us top half top phase. Ten. A um, win could even get us eighth, which, yeah. I mean, it's crazy going to the last game of the season knowing we could finish eighth or 14th. Hmm. Yeah. We just need to avoid defeat. If we avoid defeat, there's a, a chance we'll finish top half. And more importantly, we'll finish above Palace, which is my one and only priority at the moment. Yeah. However, I really, really want us to finish top top ten, and I think we need we need the wins really. It's, to it's make been sure a of that, crazy season, really. I mean, if you look at it, we're looking at the totally a top quite good chance of a top half finish, and yeah. yet we've had a six game losing streak, an eleven game run without a win. Yes. <laughs> it's, if you told me that at the start of the season, I'd have assumed we would be like seventeenth, eighteenth sort of thing, and potentially going down, you know, in Leeds or Burnley's position probably. 
And yet, yeah. yeah, we've also had, you know, a really good run of either side of Christmas where we've been unbeaten in seven, I think it was, a really good run recently of one defeat in eight and a really good start to the season. So, yeah. so we've, we've got our wins. And that, in a way, next season, we need to kind of, or, you know, it's going to be, be tough again. It, probably every Premier League season is. And we need to kind of maybe find a way of coming out of bad runs better. We can't afford to, you, you won't survive every season if you, have, you lose six in a row and have 11 games without a win. Yeah, all in all, we had a great season, but there, there's always more to learn. And we, we need to just um, really look at where we can improve. There, there's, there's a number yeah. of things. Where you can, so losing you can is going to be up, it's almost inevitably going to happen. It's going to be a big blow. Yeah, we can't do much about that, I suppose. But there's certain other elements that we can, we can work on, I think. Um, and it's interesting that you can go on a six-game run. And we had Paul Barber at um, Seagulls over London recently, and he said there was absolutely not a slightest inkling of any issue about his no. managerial role after those six defeats, which is interesting to hear. Yeah, there wasn't even a, a, a discussion about it anywhere. There's obviously concern. There'll people but, be Tony Bloom's the anti Watford. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, I mean a lot of people felt he sucked he sacked too late. A lot of people felt he you know, maybe left Houston too late as well and should have acted during the season rather than waiting. Yeah, even though Houston got uh, the Houston sacking got a lot of criticism. Um, those people that said be careful what you wish for, by the way, um, would like to hear from them. Anybody got anything to say on that matter? <laughs> we seem to be doing rather well, despite yeah, our... A lot of people, months. It was at the time, we, we, we said it was a lot of the same people who were criticising us on Match the Day and on Pundits and that sort of thing, saying yeah. well, how rubbish our playing style is and how boring we were to watch. <coughs> Paul Merson. Uh, <coughs> oh, I just got some stuff in my throat. And I'm like, well... Mm. And we spent like 60 odd million that summer as well. We spent nowhere near that since then, or probably not since, certainly not since Potter's first summer. So, yeah. I mean, it'd be interesting. I imagine, I can imagine a, seat, a summer with us trying to probably break even again with the consumer money, some money for Duffy, maybe, while, yeah. um, some money for, uh, uh, Clark potentially as well, one or two others. Um, and I still think, well, well, ideally, I, I would like to see a sign as a right wing back as a genuine alternative, seeing as we seem to be playing Veltman as right centre back at the moment. Yeah. A it, it's a, a it's a, it's a makeshift thing, isn't it? Because Lamptey's um, fitness has been inconsistent. Yeah, and it means we don't have to, you know, to rest. I do think our, our team, the way we play, is different when Lamptey's not available. So it'll be good yeah. to have someone as an alternative. A centre back would be really good. Someone who an extra centre back, assuming that Clark and Ostergaard are probably going to go. Um, yeah. Van Heck comes in. I think playing three at the back, you need five centre back probably. Another a, a, a Bissouma replacement. I wouldn't mind an older, more experienced head sort of thing in that situation because I think we've got a lot of young midfielders coming through. It'd be good to have an alternative that doesn't you know, block their development. And then would, ideally another striker on top of Undav. Would you um, like us then, to sign someone like Jed Spence if he was available? I know Forrest go up, it's unlikely, but... Yeah, you, know. you never know. And then, I mean, from there, if, if you replace him, I wonder, I wonder, for example, whether Solly might look at whether he's getting enough game time. And if he yeah. goes, we need a left wing back as well. And yeah. what happens with the keepers as well? You know, does Sherpin come back in? Hmm. Well, we've got the basis, even with losing Basuma, I'd say we've got the basis, if you look at the formation we play, where everyone's fit, if they can keep the likes of Webster, Webster, Welbeck fit, you've got Sanchez in goal, Veltman, Webster, Dunk at the back, Kukurea and Lamptey, but wing back. And then, yeah. you know, kind of Casado, Mwepu, McAllister, Trossard, who apparently has got a one-year extension we've got that we can do on this deal, so probably won't be going. And then one of Undav and Welbeck. That's a pretty decent team before you even start signing anyone, mm. you know, without and, Basuma. And apparently Graham Potter, contrary to, we mentioned Pascal Gross being linked with Verda Bremen, contrary to, to that and some other uh, rumours online of, of similar, 
um, that he might be going to Germany on a three-year deal or something like that. Graham Potter apparently has said that um, contracts have been offered or are to be signed by Danny Welbeck and Pascal Grosch. I don't yeah. know. Obviously, that's not the same as have been signed. But, but he's um, saying it's very close. He doesn't normally talk about that sort of thing. Yeah, in which is interesting, level, particularly as Andy Naylor is apparently um, sort of, you know, he's, he's, he, he dismissed... Um, the links as well. So it, who knows what's going on with that? I don't yeah. know. I mean, I, I would be happy to see Grosh stay. We've got, we've got a bit of a turn. Yeah. Some, some young players coming in back from loans and that sort of thing. He's becoming yeah. a cult classic, isn't he? Yeah. I'm really, really excited to see a few of, you know, Van Heck's got a, a real reputation in the championship. Mitoma sounds like quite an interesting creative player. Yeah. You know, Undav, obviously, could he be the guy we need, we've needed up front probably since Murray you know, so, uh, since Hutton's gone, really, because since Murray ret- effectively didn't play very much. You know, Kozlowski is regarded as one of the best young midfielders in Europe. You know, mm-hmm. so there's some really quite exciting players to come back in, along with yeah. the likes of Sarmiento, who hopefully we'll see more of next yeah. season. When, when and, we, hopefully, we'll and Van Hecker and other players yeah. returning who, who are going to be... Sado, obviously, he's only played seven, eight games now. Yeah. They're, gonna, they're all going to be involved in pre-season, I think, the... Youth players like Kadra and, Kadra, and yeah. so There's some really interesting, you know, players to come back in, and it'll it'll be an interesting, you know, how many we actually do sign them, and how many we just take from, you know, the the, yeah. the low knees who come back. We will get some interesting signings uh, to top it up as well, I'm sure. But I'm not expecting there to be a, a great deal of business no. done in that regard, not on permanent deals inbound. I mean, you might, we might have a load of loans going out, but uh, but other than that, no, I can't see too much going on in that regard. We have got to obviously get the rest of this season done, which it takes the form of just one more match this Sunday against West Ham. Um, home match, 4pm kickoff. We've had an unchanged team quite unusually for the last match. I don't expect that to be the case for this game. No. I'm sure they'll change it up um, anyway. Um, maybe we'll get to see one or two different players. There's rumours we might see a new kit, a new home kit. I don't know if that's the case or not. I'll be interested to see that. Still haven't worn my one that I bought this season. Nothing to do with the fact I can't fit into it anymore or anything like that. Uh, anyway, <laughs> moving swiftly on. No, I mean, the, the West Ham head-to-head up to date now is 1-18, drawn 20, lost 18. Uh, because we have the draw, of course, this season, that symmetry has remained. Are we going to just steal the edge? Because that, that's not bad. If you've I mean, gone head-to-head, it's better than West Ham's. That's not bad, actually, is it? Eight games without defeat in Premier League, but also five games without a win. We've drawn the last five against them. We won yeah. the first three in the Premier League and then and have drawn the last five. So, no, last um, four, sorry, because we haven't played this one. Sorry, yeah. Yeah, so. and I, I would say I'd take that because it would have been getting above Palace, guaranteed. Yeah. But no, I wouldn't at the moment. I think we need to beat them. Um, well, it'd be interesting to see what happens. You know, obviously, they, they, they've had a really good season. They've tailed off a little bit towards the end, I think, probably. But, yeah, they, they obviously think they can overtake Man U. And judging by Man U's performance at, uh, away to us, um, I wouldn't blame them thinking that. So, yeah, it'll be interesting we, to see we, what happens. We'll do we'll, we'll do a um, a match report. There might there might be a match day special, or if not, a match report um, for that final game of the season coming up next. What we'll also do probably the week after is a a full season review, and we'll be looking for voting for our players of the season. We're going to do a similar format to last year, I think, but we'll just ask you to pick your one, two, and three. So top top bet is three points. Second um, gets two, and third choice gets one point towards our overall voting. Um, algorithm, for want of a better word. There's no computers involved here, to be honest. Um, and we'll also do a young player of the year, probably anyone 23 or under at start of season is the criteria we used last year. Maybe we'll just do one vote for that rather than the three because it got a bit messy when we started doing that. So your top, have a think about your top threes, have a think about your young player 
under 23 at start of season and we'll do voting on that coming up in due course we might be going back to the Gladstone to do that as well actually I'm thinking that could be it for maybe Tuesday or Wednesday week or something the week after next um we'll also be um yeah doing a general summary this just just um what we'll probably mention is um the fact that we also included some non-league stuff this year as well we've really enjoyed following a few games at Worthing we've done a few match day specials or a couple of them as well um for them as well as the ones we've done for the Albion and it's been great um I think we'll probably diversify a bit more when we get into next year and do a few more one of which will be interesting might be little Hampton Town FC um there's been some successes with Sussex. I think Brighton have done well in general. Worthing have got promoted as champions. Hastings have got promoted into Worthing's old division, the Ismian Premier, um, as champion. I think as champions, I think it yeah. is. And Little Hampton Town are in the final of the FA Vars on Sunday. Where we'll come to that in a second, but it's gone under the radar. They, yeah, they also yeah the first Sussex club ever to get to the FA Vars final. Just to explain, the FA Vars is for teams lower down the pecking order within the non-league. Ninth level and yeah, it's kind of, yeah, that's right, ninth level or lower. It's kind of like, um, I suppose the value of the competitions is similar to the FA Vars being the League Cup and the FA Trophy being the FA Cup. Not in terms of who's entitled to enter, but just in terms of its significance. But what it does, it gives any smaller clubs, as you said, the lower down the pyramid, the chance to have a day out, an amazing one-off day out at Wembley. And in recent years, we were hoping to get Phil Annette on, but I don't think he's going to be able to join us. The, FA Cup, FA Trophy and FA Vars expert. Um, but what he said elsewhere is that um, quite often in recent years, it has been different people, um, different teams getting to the final. So different sets of clubs um, and their supporters have been having the chance to have a day out at Wembley, supporting their local team at Wembley. And it's just a fantastic day out. The last six years, it's been a double bill event. So they've done the FA Vars, um, usually kicking off early afternoon, and then the FA Trophy on late afternoon, um, which I think is at 4.30 or something this year. It's on Sunday. Bromley against Wrexham is the one for the higher-ranked non-league clubs. They're the two that got to the final. So Wrexham are going... They're not going to Wembley twice because I think the, um, the National League Premier playoff final is at West Ham's London Stadium. Um, but they will be going to, to there and to Wembley um, in, on all those steep other looks of it. Yeah, it's so, an interesting um, one for Wrexham because it's, like, it's obviously, in a way, a game they don't need... But on the other hand, I suppose it's quite a big gap between the season ending and the second the, the second playoff, the home yeah. one that they'd have. So maybe so actually having a game in between on. actually yeah. is quite a good, a yeah. good thing rather than not as long playing. As, they don't, as long as they don't end up with injuries, it'll be yeah. good for them, yeah. But the, the earlier kickoff is Littlehampton. They've, um, it's gone under the radar because of the novelty of them getting to the final, but they did also win the Southern Combinations um, for Football League, which is basically the Sussex County League under its current name over the last few years. And they have got promoted. There was some, some complication about whether they had um, the grounds approval for, for, the, um, for the grading. Apparently, they do have that. They're going into the into the Ismian League Southeast Division. So it's the lowest level of Ismian League structure. Presumably the one that Hastings just won. I think it's either that or the one below. I think it is that one. No, yeah. Yeah. no Hastings won level so eight. Really, so I think there's only eight tiers in, and, and then where Littlehampton is level nine, I would have thought, isn't it? Yeah. Okay, so it must be, yeah. So there must have... So this, is, this is great, isn't it? So so um, Littlehampton move into Hastings Division. Hastings move into Worthings. Worthing move into the National South. Brilliant. Um, so congratulations to them on their promotion. Yeah. And same with Worthing and Hastings. Good luck on Sunday. 
Good luck on Sunday. Pagnell, isn't it? They're playing. Yes, Newport Pagnell, which ironically is quite very close to our friends Wedge and his son's um, local area where they live. So they're probably going to be supporting Newport Pagnell from afar. We're going to be supporting Little Hampton Town, aren't we, Peter? You're going to be supporting them. Brilliant. We we were hoping to get them. It's not on a a non Premier League day. Yeah, well, I I was fully up for going to this, and then we discovered it. I've been in the past. It's actually a really good day out. I remember watching um, South Shields, who were then just winning level nine, Hammer Hammer Cleethorpes with Julio Arca, the former Middlesbrough and Sunderland player, absolutely (laughs) ruling the midfield. It was like, I think he must have been 36, 37 at the time, but he was just imperious and, yeah, Cleethorpes could not deal with him. I even think they, even though they'd also they did, put up from the level nine. I think they did some kind of quadruple as well, South Shields that year to do with all the relevant yeah. competitions they're in. They're, they're the one who's been quite unlucky this year because they they were they went were one who were miles clear when it came to COVID, and, yeah. and, then, and then came second behind Buxton this year. I think Buxton, Buxton, yeah. Um, yeah, and then lost in the playoffs. So I think I feel a bit sorry yeah. for them, really. They've, yeah, I mean, they're, they're, they're in the same boat as Worthing yeah. and Jersey Bulls and Hastings as well. And where the others have, I, I think Jersey Bulls got have gone up, but the others have gone up. And unfortunately for South Shields, they haven't, which is a bit of a shame. And actually, oh, there's there's a, there's a podcast called the Premier Non-League Podcast, I think it is, which is our friends from Rebel Yell, Peter Vale and James Easton, um, and a couple of other people, including a Barnet fan and somebody else. It's basically a non-league fans podcast but it's essentially it's the Worthing boys a couple of their mates and a fella called Chris who's a South Shields fan so I've been hearing quite a bit about South Shields and I think essentially what it sounds like is that Northern Premier League is quite a physical league and South Shields have more of a passing kind of footballing side who they felt would be better suited to a higher division ironically and they've been quite good over the line they fell into the playoffs and then and then lost the playoffs unfortunately as well despite finishing second but they've um, they've had serious investment in recent years South Shield yeah they have I think they're changing they're going to change plans because they were going um semi-pro uh and then or, or they went pro and then they're going back to some sort of hybrid model whatever that means. So there's a lot of chopping and changing around. I think they tried to get an academy going and all sorts. It's interesting stuff, actually, what's going on down there. Um, as far as Little Hampton go, we did try to get on a short notice, but we did try to get on um, the chairman, Robert McAleese. I had a quick conversation with him on the phone. Lovely fella, nice guy. Um, he was very busy, unfortunately, as you might imagine, in the run-up to this big event. But he was... Um, Kind enough to say a few things. He, he was saying that we're, they're all looking forward to it. It all feels a bit surreal and he's, he's you know, he can't, can't wait for Sunday and all that sort of stuff. He said there's plenty to do. Um, but it's all such players a dream of playing at Wembley, don't they? Well, you know, and well, that, that's, I was just going to say that's exactly what he said. He said as a kid growing up, he dreamed of playing at Wembley. And although he's not playing in the game, he's, you know, the whole notion of him having yeah. his day out at Wembley himself, just from a personal point of view, was, was really good for him. And, um, he, he can't wait to go. He can't really believe it's happening. He said locally, everyone in the shops has embraced it and there's lots of stickers and posters and windows bunting up in the streets and things like that, which is absolutely fantastic. What is essentially a small town in Sussex. So it's, um, it's great for them. A small town in Sussex. <laughs> but I really hope they do it. I think they are the slight favourites, as I understand it. Um, they're called, their nickname's the Marigolds, for anyone that wants to know. Um, and they've got a, their stadium holds about 4,000, I think. So they, I don't know what kind of, Upgrading upgrades they needed to do to pass that. Definitely not attendance capacity, is it? No, definitely not. You can get um, like Conference South at that or National yeah. South at that, couldn't you? Pretty much. Exactly. They've been, they've been getting. I think they've had a couple of three thousand attendances, including yeah, for the, the semi final. Yeah, 
And obviously they've won, they've got promotion as well this year. And for the final, they've, they've sold out their allocation of just over 6,800 tickets, which I think Newport Pagnell have also done, by the way. Um, so it's going to be a decent number of their fans there. Mm. Remember, it's a double bill. So you've got Bromley and Wrexham fans. And I think it sounds like quite a few of those fans are going to go in early and watch the other match as well. So that'd be, that'd be really, it'd be nice to have such a big crowd there for yeah. what is essentially quite low level football still. We're talking. Um, but they've got potential to grow, I think, given the um, the sports field is their stadium, I think. Um, given, and, given Eastbourne got the playoffs as well, Albion are on course for our best ever season. Crawley yeah. had a decent season as well, like mid-table. Yeah. Been a yeah. pretty good year for Sussex football generally. It really has, if you, if you don't mention Crawley's manager. <laughs> but yeah, apart from that, that yeah. yeah. But it, it's good. Maybe we should do a, an on-league special from Littlehampton. I mean... Yeah, could do, Peter. If we don't do one live, we certainly should get um, Rob on, the chairman. He said he's happy to come on and, and talk about stuff. And, um, you know, depending on how Sunday went, he might be even more keen to talk. Um, but, you know, it, I think it's a progressive club going in the right direction. So good luck yeah. to them as well. Yeah. OK, well, that sums it up from me, I think, um, from what I was going to chat about um, and, and the general stuff that we were going to talk about. Anything else from you, Peter, Just as well? Your predictions for Sunday, I suppose? What do you reckon? Yeah, well, I, I think... Um, this is going to be, uh, it's the new Albion, isn't it? We can, we can win at home again now. Do we win at home? I got the last, I got the last result correct. Um, no, I got the lead, I got the lead score wrong. So I don't know. I'm, I'm loath to give the score I'm thinking of, but I'm going to go 2-1 Albion. I only go 2 all just because it's boring going one all. I think it'll be a draw, but I think they will yeah. get the goals. So yeah. I'm going to go 2-0. Which does guarantee us above Palace and almost certainly means we'll be above, in the top half, which is, yeah. you know, good. Unlike to go above anyone else, to go above anyone. But... Well, if, if we miss out because Brentford have thrashed Leeds, the advantage of that, yeah, is all that Brentford go above is that Brentford have thrashed Leeds, yeah. <laughs> so, so we'll see how that pans out. Um, yeah, OK, well, that, that's it really for this episode. So, as I said, we'll do a match review or a match special for West Ham. We'll then do our, our end of season review. We might do it. We'll probably do a couple of other bits, I think, during the summer as well. We're hoping to get a couple of interesting interviewee, interviewees in as well. I might do a quiz possibly as well during the um, summer. All of that possibly to come. Um, but in the meantime, I think we can round this one off in the usual style by saying stand or fall. Up the Albion. Social Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday. I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather. Now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.